Welcome to Slaking Thirsts, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. So again, today we celebrate the feast day of St. Thomas Becket. And let's just be reminded again why I am wearing this red vestment. It's not because in the octave of Christmas I'm trying to be festive, although there's a fittingness there. Uh, Now, as we've been contemplating all week, the church surrounds the solemnity of the nativity with the feast day of all these martyrs, all of these martyrs, whose blood, and not chemicals or dye, it's their blood that has dyed these vestments red because of their adherence to Christ, because of their dedication to the truth, their unwillingness to capitulate in the face of great adversity. So again, today the church raises up Thomas Beckett for us to look at, for us to contemplate. What's interesting with all these saints, they have so much in common, right? Their single-minded dedication to the Lord, their focus on the Eucharist, their devotion to the Blessed Mother, their vulnerability, their humility, their kindness, their love of scripture, virtue, all of that, the lives of hidden sacrifice that we'll only know in heaven. But despite having all of that in common, the saints are wildly diverse, right? They are wildly different, all of them. That's what happens the closer we draw to the Lord, that we don't become more uniform, we we actually become um, more fascinatingly colorful, we become more authentically who we were made to be. Sin is what makes us boring and all the same. Sin is drab and boring and gray, and it's the slush on the side of the road. It's just like, bleh. It's glory. It's the Holy Spirit that brings out the beauty. <clears throat> Each of the saints is this unique instrument held by the Lord that uh, when the Holy Spirit blows through them, it just makes a very distinct, utterly unique sound. So who is Thomas Becket? Well, Thomas, was, he, was, he was appointed Chancellor of England and the Archbishop of Canterbury. Holding both of these offices together, he was appointed by his friend, King Henry II, all the way back in the 12th century, around the year 1162. Soon after his appointment as, uh, soon after his appointment as the Archbishop of Canterbury, Thomas, he quickly resigned the chancellorship and he began to reform his life. He had a powerful conversion. He began to reform his life and the life of the clergy. Mind you, this is still Catholic England, right? Catholic England. All of the churches, you go to England, you walk around. This is what struck me this summer. I'm like, all these churches used to be Catholic churches. Makes you a little frustrated as a Catholic, right? Now they're all Anglican churches. Anyway, so still Catholic England. As a result of this, he was soon faced with this mounting pressure from the king to accept certain arrangements that would have been very advantageous for the crown, but very, uh, very bad for the church. And for a while there, he was considering a compromise position, giving a little bit here to keep the peace, all these things. But he soon discovered that that sort of position was just going to be untenable, especially if he was going to stand before the Lord on Judgment Day one day. So he turned the king down, his friend, he turned the king down, and he then had to flee to France, right? 
Things were way more dramatic back then. He was sent into exile. He spent seven years in France, and he eventually returned to England, and he became a ferocious thorn in the king's side. The king at one point, it's uh, told by the historians, the king at one point bellows out in protest in his hall. He says in frustration, will someone rid me of this troublesome priest? I hope that's said about me one day. That'd be great. So on December 29th, December 29th, 1170, while Thomas was celebrating Mass, four knights with swords drawn came into the church where he was celebrating Mass, the cathedral, and slew Thomas Beckett at the altar. They slew him at the altar. Horrifying, to be sure. But how fitting, nonetheless, that this man who had been so deeply converted to Christ's heart and so deeply converted to Christ's paschal mystery, who had sought to conform himself evermore, every single day, to Christ's passion and cross, would himself offer his life at the altar. I don't know what the rubrics of the ordination rituals were like back in the 12th century, but I know that when I was ordained, you kneel before the bishop and you are handed the offering of the people of God, the bread and the wine, and the bishop exhorts you as a newly ordained priest, receive the oblation of the holy people of God. And then he says, conform yourself to the mystery of the Lord's cross. Like those words that every priest prays at the altar, this is my body given up for you. Like because of ordination, we get to stand in persona Christi and we get to share Christ's own personal pronoun, his own I. This is my body. This is my blood. And while, of course, the primary referent is him, nevertheless, the church's theology says, I, as this man, that's supposed to become more and more my personal self-identification. This is my self-offering of my body and my blood with Jesus to the Father by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's not just the clergy. When you and I, when we consume the Eucharist, we are saying yes to the Paschal mystery, right? The same self-surrender unto death, the same dying to self, the body of Christ, it said to you, and you respond, amen, and you take into yourself the Paschal mystery, It's like we are meant to have affected in our souls and our bodies this sort of like spiritual bone marrow transfusion. That the paschal mystery is meant to get into every cell of our body, our minds and our hearts. Because the Holy Spirit is trying to relive in us the life and passion and death and resurrection of Jesus. We're trying, he's trying to Christify us so that by the end of our life, the Father looks on us when he calls us home and he says, I see my son. Like he's meant to look upon us and see his son in us. But it doesn't just happen. Like the Eucharist isn't just like a Tylenol that just has its effect once it's in you. It's something you have to cooperate with, enter into, say yes to. Now, will any of us be actually martyred at the altar or in the church? Probably not. Who knows? I'd like to not be stabbed to death by swords. That'd be nice. 
But nevertheless, all of us are asked with every single Eucharist to be conformed, to be conformed more and more to his passion, to look like, to love like, to sound like, to think like Jesus, more and more. Living sacrifices, St. Paul says, offer yourself as a living sacrifice. It's an oxymoron. Sacrifices in the Old Testament, they weren't alive. (laughs) They were dead. You and I were meant to be living sacrifices. So friends, calling upon the intercession of St. Thomas Becket, we ask for his prayers. This man of immense courage, this man who conformed himself to the paschal mystery of Jesus. Amen.